You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Good morning. Welcome to The Breakfast Show. It is Wednesday the 29th of November 2023. You know, we are coming to a to a close of this year it's, it's been a very very fast year in my yeah, opinion yeah right the years flown by we do, we do have brother halim ahmed with me and the usual wednesday presenters myself mohammed Attar, in the voice of islam studio here presenting today um as always it's it's a pleasure what, what do you think you think the the years flown by yeah i think the years flown by and a lot of shows have been covered hmm. um and you know they say as you're having fun the time flies of course, of course. <laughs> so yeah. I think we've had an interesting year. Definitely, definitely. So we do have uh, an interesting lineup of uh, topics for for our listener today. We'll be discussing International Day of Solidarity with the people of Palestine, that is today, and the early mRNA research that led to COVID-19 vaccines wins 2023 Me- Medicine Nobel Prize. We'll be dis- uh, we'll be as always we'll be discussing uh, the news and the uh, weather uh, firstly, and then we'll be getting into our first segment of the morning. We'll be taking a very short break right now, and then don't go anywhere and do join us after for the news and the weather. In this season of hope, faith, and new beginnings, let's focus on self-reflection, improvement, and doing good deeds. God says in the Holy Quran. They will say, Our Lord, perfect our light for us and forgive us. Surely thou hast power over all things. Chapter 66, verse 9. Our light can shine by showing kindness, love and support to the people around us. The Holy Prophet of Islam, peace be upon him, said that the best of you are those who have the best character, Bukhari and Muslim. Let's try our best to improve our character and let our light shine. On behalf of the Voice of Islam Radio, we extend our best wishes to all our friends and listeners. May God bless you all. Amen. Our God is a very loyal God, and for those who remain loyal to Him, He shows wonderful works. The world wishes to tear them to pieces and to eat them up, and every enemy grinds his teeth on them, but He who is their friend saves them from every danger and brings them out triumphant on every field. How fortunate then is he who does not let his hold go of such a God. To him we render our faith, and it is him we have recognized. Of all the world, he alone is the God who has sent down his revelation on me, who for me has shown powerful signs, who has sent me down as the promised Messiah for this age. There is no God except he, in heaven nor on earth. Simplified answers to frequently asked questions. What is the difference between Ahmadi Muslims and non-Ahmadi Muslims? This needs a very lengthy answer, but briefly, the main difference is in the belief concerning the advent of the Imam Mahdi, the Prince Messiah, and the reformer of the latter days. Non-Ahmadi Muslims expect that he will be sent by God in fulfilment of the prophecies of the Holy Prophet and are waiting for his advent. On the other hand, Ahmadi Muslims believe that his advent has already taken place and that the prophecies were fulfilled in the person of Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadian, who also claimed that his advent fulfilled the prophecies that were mentioned in the scriptures of different religions about the coming of a reformer in the latter days. 
the followers of these religions, including non-Ahmadi Muslims, are still waiting for his advent. As for Ahmadi Muslims, as a result of believing that his advent has already taken place, they enjoy many blessings that other Muslims are deprived of. For example, Ahmadi Muslims enjoy the institution of Khilafat, which means that they are all united under one leadership, and are escorted by a guided spiritual leader, while other Muslims remain divided and they disagree amongst themselves concerning many issues. Also, Ahmadi Muslims follow the true teaching of Islam as a result of following the teachings of the reformer of the age. The very important difference between the two is that Ahmadi Muslims believe in a living God whose attributes remain the same at all times, while other Muslims believe that some of his attributes have become idle. For example, his speech with his sincere servants. They think that he used to speak in the past, but for some reason, at the present time, he has stopped communicating with his servants through revelations. Writings of the Promised Messiah It should be remembered that God Almighty, by demanding faith in the unseen, does not wish to deprive the believers of certainty of understanding the divine. Indeed, faith is a ladder for arriving at the certainty of understanding, without which it is vain to seek true understanding. Those who climb this ladder surely experience for themselves the pure and undefiled spiritual verities when a sincere believer accepts divine commands and directions for the only reason that God Almighty has bestowed upon him through a righteous bearer, he becomes deserving of the bounty of understanding. That is why God Almighty has established a law for his servants, that they should first acknowledge him by believing in the unseen, so that all the problems they face may be resolved through the bounty of true understanding. But it is a pity that a hasty one does not adopt these ways. Use your senses to find God. God must be found. Use your ears to hear his sound. Look up, look down, the sky, the ground. Look left, look right, look all around. God is with us wherever we look. He gave us the answers in the perfect book. So recite in the name of thy Lord who created. For your obedience, he has patiently waited. See, God is with you everywhere. The bed, the stairs, the floor, the chair. Don't be disobedient. Please take care. He hears and sees all. Don't forget he's there. So next time you think about committing sin, just remember you're letting the devil in. This life is not just about worldly pleasure. The hereafter is where you'll find real treasure. So use your senses and use your sense. Ignorance is not a valid defence.
أشهد أن محمدا You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim in the name of Allah the most gracious ever merciful. Welcome back to the breakfast show. Um so we'll be discussing the the news and uh, the weather right now. So the BBC headlines that 12 more Gaza hostages and 30 more Palestinian prisoners released under truce. And today is, uh, you know, the last day of the six-day truce, uh, the pause uh, that was extended. Yeah, so two two days were more extended after the four-day pause. But um, (coughs) we were talking about this earlier. You know, the the wording Hmm. which is used by the BBC... Yeah, it says that twelve more Gaza hostages and thirty more Palestinian prisoners. Hmm. So they're significant, um, stating that the Palestinians are prisoners, but the Gaza, um, what Hamas are holding, are hostages. Um, and recently, I was reading on the news that you know the ninety out of hun- out of hundred um, hostages that were released yeah. um, by Israel, yeah. ninety of them were not even charged hmm. of any crime. Okay. So why were they um, held hmm. in the first place? Yeah. There's no justification for that. Another, you know, <clears throat> another, uh, so on the summary of the article, another, you know, uh, the wording, which is a bit weird, hmm. it states that Palestinian prisoners have alleged mistreatment while in Israeli jails. A 14-year-old boy hmm. said he witnessed beatings. Israel has not commented. He witnessed beatings. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but on other news, it outlet- says alleged mistreatment yeah, while yeah. in Israeli jails. But in other news yes. outlets, that same uh, boy hmm. has given interviews stating how he was uh, yeah. vigorously beaten yeah. and his arm was broken, hmm. and that um, just before uh, being freed, hmm. they beat him up once again. Yeah. So, you know, um, the way the news that's being uh, presented hmm. needs to be looked at carefully. And Indeed. we need to be sure what's being said to us is actually true. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, Israel, so what? Uh, what's next? What's going to happen next? Basically, uh, uh, Hugo Bachega, a Middle East correspondent in Jer- Jerusalem, says that Israel says it is hopeful the ceasefire could be extended again. Mm-hmm. And Hamas indicated it is open to that. Yeah. yeah. So I think so, Hamas have always been yes. open to the truce. But... Uh, <coughs> Another news that's just come out hmm. is that uh, Israel, um, Israeli army gunboats shell southern Gaza coast. So two gunboat shooting incidents have been reported off Gaza's coast yes. near Khan Yusuf uh, and Darul Bala. Hmm. Um, and in that shooting, 30 Palestinian women and hmm. children have been released 
Um, well, um, um, apart from this news, 30 Palestinians, women and children have been released, as you just mentioned. Hmm. But uh, this incident that just took place, um, it shows that maybe the ceasefire is not truly living up to the promise which should be held. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and you know, during the, during the pause, um, so around eight Palestinians have been killed in the West Bank yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly. So, so during the ceasefire... The occupied West Bank. Yeah, the occupied yeah. West Bank. And uh, another news which is uh, quite ironic, you can say, yes. is that they've released 117 mm. Palestinians, mm. right? Mm. But on the other hand, they've captured 116. Mm. So as they're releasing, yes. they're also capturing these uh, civilians mm. from the West mm. Bank. So it comes down to the same numbers and uh, you know at the end of the day you have to think of uh, the statements we're hearing from the prisoners the, the prisoners yeah. that are being released that you exactly. know the way they were treated yeah. but what are they being sent to hmm. they're being sent to Gaza right exactly where there is constant yeah. bombardment yeah. so the quality of life you could you could argue that it's, it's going to get worse yeah and 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 Israel also um, <clears throat> mentioned that you know when these hostages will be released hmm. they are forbidden to celebrate they forbidden to distribute candy. These were the actual mm. words. They dis- they forbidden. They they cannot distribute candy upon the release of these hostages. As in, they can't distribute anything sweet. So it shows that they are celebrating their mm. release. So it's really bizarre. This kind of um, it's pathetic in a way. Yeah. That why yeah. do you have to put this these, kind these, of condition? These sanctions, yeah, right? On 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 someone's happiness, right? Exactly. Exactly. And that they also mentioned that the prisoners that were well, the prisoners what they call they mm. called them prisoners. Mm. Um, are not allowed to be interviewed. Hmm. Well, they were prisoners because they were kept in jails. Yeah, but they weren't charged. They, they were, but they were kept in jails. They, they were oh, kept in prisons. And, but yeah, they wouldn't. They didn't have any yeah. charge upon them. Hmm. There wasn't a reason for yeah. them to be in prison. Yeah. But then, when they're in Gaza, hmm. they're not allowed to be interviewed. Hmm. Why? Why shouldn't they be interviewed? And you know what else is really interesting is that you know um, this whole hostage exchange, right? Yeah. Uh, one one should wonder this question should come into one's mind that before 7th of October you know uh, everything else was supposedly fine right yeah. so where did those hostages <laughs> exactly. or those prisons where did they come, come from? from exactly clearly they're from before 7th yeah. of October if it started exactly. on the 7th of October exactly. why did they have the hostages in the first exactly. place so a lot of questions yeah. are raised and people have mentioned that you know in the past mm. uh, Israel hasn't um, lived up to the promises yeah. that were made hmm. so they should be looked at very carefully again if we want to trust any hmm. of these uh, ceasefire pauses or anything yeah. like that that needs to be taken place hmm. so we'll be discussing that more in our first uh, yeah. you know first segment uh, later on so in other news that there's a snow and ice forecast for Britain as Met Office warns of travel hazards so yeah. supposedly you know um, in, uh, it, right now in some places in Scotland it's already snowing Mm-hmm. And uh, snow will begin to accumulate, especially away from Windward Coast, with one to three centimeters possible. Yeah. Higher routes for of uh, North East Scotland may see up to five centimeters of snow accumulate. So you know, uh, people need to be need to be ready. Yeah, need to be ready need and to be prepared stay warm. for the for the for the sludge that's yeah. coming, right? Yeah, exactly. Because we don't get snow like uh, in places like in. Um, America or Canada or you know um, these northern countries mm-hmm. like Scandinavian countries, where they're so used to it that their whole 
um, society is adapted. We get we get we get it like once a month. Yeah. Or sometimes I remember there's been years where where we haven't got any snow, but hmm. it's been really cold. Yeah, it's it's really chilly. You know, the wind right now uh, here, yeah. like it, like it cuts you exactly. Right, it cuts so your skin you open. Open, open that door, yeah. you're like, wow. Yeah, yeah. As we were mentioning before as well, like hmm. our our windshields were frozen. Yeah. in the morning, hmm. so we had to run inside get some water. Yeah, but you know, no, you should, shouldn't put yeah, hot water yeah. apparently because yeah. it might crack your windshield. Yeah, so you have to be a bit careful. Yeah, even in the in the studio right now. Hmm. We we were just <laughs> speaking about that. We used to turn on the AC. Yeah, just not a, just a few weeks ago. Yeah, a few right? weeks ago, yeah. yeah. And now, but I don't think there's an option of turning the heater mm. on here, is it? Even in September, I think the weather was decent. Yeah, right? yeah I remember. Yeah. It was really good. It was yeah. odd that it was yeah. really uh, September nice, start of October as well. Yeah, but it's suddenly like it's just plummeted. Exactly. Uh, in other news, uh, you know um, the the uh, meeting that was supposed to happen between the Greece uh, Prime Minister. And uh, you know our uh, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, um, in regards to the Elgin marbles. So basically, they are um, it's they're marble figurines mm-hmm. uh, from the old Greek era, from Athens, that were procured by the British Empire uh, under when Greece was under the reign of the Ottoman Empire okay. in around the eighteen hundreds, right? And um, so un- under our law, right? Under this country's law, um, so we basically can't really, or we're not going to give anything back uh, to you know foreign countries asking for them for their for their treasures back, um, apart from like very very like minor stuff. As in UK is not yeah, going to give UK okay. UK. So you know the, there was supposed to be a meeting with the uh, Prime Minister of Greece mm-hmm. in regards to this, uh, but uh, Rishi Sunak he he cancelled the meeting. Okay. Right. Where and a lot of people have been discussing that you know they are also you know they're part of um, um, you know they're part of uh, Europe as well and they're mm-hmm. part of um, the the United Nations as well mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know uh, upstanding this meeting uh, it it can be seen as very rude mm. because um, you know th- they just wanted to have a talk mm. in regards to it. It's caused an uproar. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, so. Mm, let's let's see, you know how how this uh, rolls out. You know, if um, some some people have said that if the British, um, if <laughs> if our country were to give back everything, right, that we <laughs> we procured, that we, that that we, we acquired, <laughs> there'd be nothing left exactly in our museums, exactly. because it's all from foreign countries. Yeah. But if you think about it, you know, um, now in today's day and age, we are everyone's hopefully, you know, aiming for peace, yeah. living in a peaceful society. We should return those things because they don't belong to us. Yeah. That would be At true justice, isn't it? That would be true justice. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> so let's let's see how how this yeah. story um, you know unfolds. In uh, other news um, regarding childcare, yeah, uh, BBC has mentioned that four hundred million pounds to expand free scheme in England. So the government is uh, going to invest 400 million in its plans to expand free childcare hmm. for working parents in England. So it will start from April. Uh, the Department of uh, Education has also announced an increase in funding rates for nursery places. Hmm. So its hourly rates available to providers will be 11 pounds for under twos and eight pounds for two-year-olds and five pounds for three and four-year-olds. So I think um, the childcare 
department will be a big help for those that are looking to put their children in free healthcare hmm. and those that are working. Hmm. So that's a big move, but it's going to start from yeah. April. I want to, you know, touch upon a little bit what's going on in the news in regards to immigration, mm-hmm. right? So the rise of uh, immigration in our country, you know, people, uh, Rishi Sunak is saying, you know, we need to crack down on immigration. So much has, uh, you know, happened, especially in the last few years in COVID. There's been the net migration is is at an all time high. Yeah. Right. Um, so we're talking about legal immigrants coming to this country legally. Um, and the figure was, um, I th- if I'm mistaken, I might be mistaken in like 2021 or 2020 to 2021, something like that. It was around like six, seven hundred thousand people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them were Ukrainians. Oh, and that was that was due. So it's basically mm-hmm. due to the to the war that was going on as mm-hmm. well. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been happening. And um, so we just uh, see two yeah, standards. Here. Yeah. And a lot uh, of them are students that contribute highly to the GDP of our country. Right. Mm-hmm. They bring in so much money because they have to pay these, you know, these students. And they uh, that's essentially how a lot of universities run. Yeah. And then, you know, they go back to their country or wherever to get their jobs because essentially, you know, they, they see that living here is not beneficial to them in any way. But the education and the standards of university mm-hmm. is, very, is very high. And, you know, in terms of that, you know, our country is very respected. There's like the Cambridge University or the Oxford University. Mm-hmm. Highly regarding yeah, universities. Yeah, highly regarding yeah. universities, other King's College and stuff as well. But um, so in regards to that, you know... Um, uh, I don't know. It's 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 quite weird that uh, what they're speaking about because a as lot in they of them, get they yeah. get their education from here, yeah. but then they go back to their own yeah. countries. Yeah. So and they bring a lot to our country as well. Mm. They bring a lot of uh, a lot of uh, money ma- ma- money to the economy. Yeah. So that 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 just proves the fact that you know after you've got your degree, mm. you've had your education, there's not a lot of chances of you having yeah. a good job here. The employment. Yeah. yeah. Is not as secure. Hmm. That's why they feel that it's be- they're better off of yeah. going back to their countries. And a lot of, um, you know, especially workers in the NHS as well, they're from abroad as well. Yeah. They're, they're course, migrants yeah, yeah. as well. Exactly. So I, I don't know what the government's plan is or what they're thinking mm-hmm. that, you know, they need to decrease, you know, the net uh, migration of what is currently happening. But... Um, Let's let's see, you know, mm-hmm. how how the story unfolds. I think um, if the employment of the country is <coughs> increased, then mm. there won't be any issue for these students. Yeah, to leave and mm. go elsewhere. Mm. No, no, but they're saying they don't they don't even want them to be want they yeah, want less people to that, be coming to this issue. country. Yeah, yeah. Period. Yeah, yeah, that's true as well. But so there's two ways to looking at it. As in, yeah. if the if the people themselves are not willing to stay, mm. and they mm. are also not willing to keep these immigrants, yeah. then so the, the, I think it affects some, the economy. There's, in, there's some plans in the talks that they might be limiting. You know, a lot of students bring their like their, their parents or their spouses or their whoever, mm-hmm. right, their significant others with them. So there might be a plan to limit that to like two or three people mm-hmm, as well, mm-hmm. which will affect the students as well. You know, they, they, then they might not be coming. Yeah, to this not even. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they wouldn't even think about coming mm. here because they don't have that family exactly option. Exactly. I think in other, uh, if we just look at the newspapers. Mm around 
um, in the Metro. Yeah. Um, the headlines are book fiasco. Yeah, the Meghan yeah. Markle and uh, yeah. Harry, uh, Prince Harry's uh, book. That so the book fiasco game. names royal racist. Yeah. So a new book on rifts in the royal family continues to make headlines. Mm. Metro leads on the news that a Dutch translation of Endgame mm. by Omid Scobie which has since been withdrawn. Yeah, it's been taken from, from sale, all yeah. the shelves and everything yeah. in... in uh, yeah, because uh, it reportedly names what, a senior what, what royal... What country was it, sorry? Um, uh, Dutch. What do you mean? Uh, in, uh, was it Switzerland or Denmark? Um, um, not too sure, but it's a... It's, yeah, so the it's book a, is Dutch, Dutch translation, translation right? yeah. yeah. So it's been withdrawn from sale mm. Um, mm. because it's named a senior royal accused of racism. Yeah. So... Of, you know, we'll say again, alleged racism because the the words that Meghan Markle has basically used that there were supposed there were concerns mm. in regards to the, the color, color yeah. the skin color of Archie, mm. who was yet to be born, yeah, yeah. who's now like four years old. Yeah. So. So it's yeah, it's yeah, a, it's an interesting it's, one. It's, it's <laughs> an interesting one, definitely. <laughs> But yeah, that just goes to show, you know, especially like, you know, in Islam. They would, I was listening to LBC in the morning and yeah. uh, they're coming down, driving down here. And mm-hmm. this is exactly what they were discussing. Yeah. So one person called in saying, you know, this is not even up for debate. You know, there's no reason to be debating this because um, they were saying, oh, even I have like a mixed race yeah. friend who, who has had four kids. And each time I've asked them, like, it's it's just it's a quizzical thing, right? Yeah. You're just wondering. Mm. But then another person called in of color. Uh, she she mentioned that you know she was black and she said that um, you know I'm calling in regards to the fact that you know the fact that this sort of question arises in someone's mind mm. indicates yeah. the way they think right the way the way they think and the it, thing it is, can indicate towards racism yeah and the royal family they represent yes the and that's British. exactly what she was saying yeah it does yeah and if the royal family is thinking like that then mm. you know what would that country be perceived as mm. yeah. Because obviously they represent the country, mm. and for all the other countries out there, they're probably listening or seeing this translation and feeling a bit weird about yeah. the comments that have been passed. Definitely. So definitely. that's that's a big uh, uh, headline uh, around the newspapers today. Mm. Also in the Daily Mirror, so the Metro had that. And Daily Mirror also has the headlines: book names royal racist. Yeah. The Daily Mail. <laughs> headlines mm. the similar news said Scobie book pulled for naming royal racist um, Daily Express similar headlines royals united against mischief mm. um, yeah yeah. but the times uh, the headlines is not that it's the the news that you mentioned about the Greek um, issue the Greeks accused PM of losing his head mm. in row over Elgin Marbles and also a call to close visa route for cheaper foreign staff. Hmm. That's another headline. Interesting. Yeah. So these are the headlines around the newspaper. So dear listener, we hope you've been enjoying today's show so far. We'll be taking a very short break and then getting into our first segment of the morning where we will be discussing the Palestine and Israel conflict further. So don't go anywhere and do join us after a very short break. Persecuted for your beliefs jailed for your faith, and exiled from your homeland, but you refuse to turn to bitterness or vengeance. Instead, His Holiness has emerged as a leader of wisdom and compassion, a champion of nonviolence among nations. No society can truly succeed unless it guarantees the rights of all of its peoples, including religious minorities. Whether they're Ahmadiyya, 
Muslims in Pakistan or Baha'i in Iran or Coptic Christians in Egypt. I would like very much to confirm my support for the work that His Holiness and the Ahmadi Muslim community are doing, particularly in London. Even I didn't know when I was elected, then my name even will be proposed. The election is the same as the Pope is elected, but without smoke. I know you are a regular uh, visitor and speaker to parliaments and assemblies around the world, whether it's the US Congress or the, or the European Parliament. Let it be clear that I am not speaking in support or favor of any particular individual country. What I wish to say is that all forms of cruelty, wherever they exist, must be eradicated and stopped, regardless of whether they are perpetrated by the people of Palestine, the people of Israel, or the people of any other country. In this we are allied with His Holiness, a courageous champion of religious freedom and of peace. I'm very glad that the movement or do something to correct this image. Islam means peace. I should thank Your Holiness for your highly enlightened sermon, not only uh, for the Ahmadis, but I would say for all mankind. Love for all and hatred for none. And this message not only for Muslims, but for everybody. man, though of humble beginnings, your leadership has made you a figure of global prominence, and you have become a guide for millions of Muslims worldwide. Writings of the Promised Messiah, It should be remembered that God Almighty, by demanding faith in the unseen, does not wish to deprive the believers of certainty of understanding the divine. Indeed, faith is a ladder for arriving at the certainty of understanding, without which it is vain to seek true understanding. Those who climb this ladder surely experience for themselves the pure and undefiled spiritual verities when a sincere believer accepts divine commands and directions for the only reason that God Almighty has bestowed upon him through a righteous bearer he becomes deserving of the bounty of understanding. That is why God Almighty has established a law for His servants, that they should first acknowledge Him by believing in the unseen, so that all the problems they face may be resolved through the bounty of true understanding. But it is a pity that a hasty one does not adopt these ways. Welcome to the Voices for Peace, a special three-part program on the current ongoing conflict between Palestine and Israel, where we try to give an in-depth analysis of the current war, historical perspective and detailed guidance by the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, and seek to provide solutions to achieving peace in the region. In this first episode of the series, we analyse the current ongoing issues between Palestine and Israel. This is a recorded programme, and the figures mentioned in this programme are accurate to the time this programme was recorded. Let's now listen to this special discussion. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And welcome to this special program on the ongoing conflict. Allah. 
of Islam Radio. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Dear listeners, welcome back to the uh, breakfast show on Voice of Islam Radio. Um, before the break, we were discussing the news around the world and the weather. Uh, and now we will be uh, going in and discussing our first segment of the show. Um, the first segment of the show. Today is the International Day of Solidarity with the People of Palestine. We did discuss some of the issues ongoing in the Palestine and uh, Israel war, Israel conflict. Um, but And the first segment will be uh, similar to it. So uh, Wednesday, November 29th, is the International Day of Solidarity with the Palestinian people. The International Day of Solidarity with the Palestinian people is a UN-organized observance. So events are held um, at the UN HQ in New York, as well as at the UN offices in Geneva, uh, Vienna and Nairobi. Um, and it is generally held on the November 29th each year to mark the anniversary of Resolution 181, which is basically advocated for the partition of Palestine in two states. One, which is an Arab, and the other, a Jewish. On this day, every year, the UN urges immediate action to grant Palestinians sovereignty and independence from the Israeli occupation. Um, as the international community commemorates this day, it continues to call on Israel to provide Palestinians with their human rights, according to the UN General Assembly. Um, the General Assembly, it emphasizes its support of the Palestinians right to their uh, return to their homes, which they have been displaced from since 1948, since um, this whole situation began, where basically more than 760,000 Palestinians became refugees. So we do have online with us our guest of the morning, first guest of the morning with us uh, in regards to this, Mr. Chris Rose. Uh, good morning, peace be upon you, and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Hi, it's lovely to be with you this morning. Thank it's a, ple you it's a pleasure to have you on. Could you uh, please tell us a little bit about your organisation? Yeah, so Amos Trust is a small creative human rights organisation. 
we exist to challenge injustice, to build hope, and to create change. And we do that by working with inspirational local partners on the ground around the world. We've got three areas of work. The first of that is about Palestine justice, where we campaign for Palestinian rights. The second about that is about, um, we call it street justice, and it's about campaigning for the rights of girls on the streets and opportunities for girls whose lives revolve around the streets. Hmm. And the third area is climate justice and campaigning and working towards those communities most affected by climate change um, so that they can adapt and find new ways forward to respond to the situation. Yeah. Uh, so what does International Day of Solidarity with Palestinians mean to your organization? Well, for us, I mean, we campaign for Palestinian rights and we have eight partners on the ground, four in Gaza, four on the West Bank. Um, and the International Day is an important day because we are committed to the right to return for the refugee population, not just in the West Bank and in Gaza and mm. in the neighboring countries, but also the fundamental right of return and believe that any long-term solution has to have equal rights, and that is a right to return. You can't have one population who can go to the land and one population who are withheld from it. Hmm. Um, the International Day is an important day to mark that. So this year is particularly important, and there's lots of things to observe it. For us, um, we're also a faith-based organization. We come from Christian roots. Yeah. And obviously, Christianity Bethlehem is in occupied Palestine. Hmm. And so for us, we kind of get a second shot really on the 25th of December <laughs> when we mark and there are a load of stuff leading up to it. So the whole kind of December for us is about focusing on the situation on Bethlehem. But today is an important day and it's an important day to make sure the UN keep honoring it and keep calling for Palestinians to have a homeland. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Chris, I wanted to ask you, you know, um, um, you mentioned that you tried to bring justice to the human rights yeah. Um, yeah. situation in Gaza. For our listeners out there, what kind of human rights crisis is being held over there? I mean, at this situ- uh, the situation in Gaza is beyond imagining. I think none of us could imagine just how bad it has been. Um, there's over 14,000 Palestinians killed, hmm. 2,500 people met, injured. There's something in the region of 1.7 to 1.8 million people are displaced and moved from their homes mm. um, out of the population of 2.2 million. So a massive crisis. Added to that, the, the level of destruction is quite unbelievable. Um, mm. the, level, the number of bombs dropped has been beyond imagining. Mm. Yeah. And so the displacement, the destruction, the destruction of infrastructure, the UN are now warning that they think more people will die from preventable diseases and will die from the actual conflict Mm. um, in Gaza. And so it's a humanitarian crisis. Um, The ceasefire has been really welcome for the last few days, but the indication is that the conflict will resume and the people who are going to suffer that are the people who've done nothing to warrant it. Yeah, innocent civilians. Yeah, basically, yeah, innocent civilians. So far, (laughs) 6,000 children are already dead. Mm-hmm. And that's not including there's um, others who are not counted in that list. It's just unbelievable, mm-hmm. and the suffering is just uh, is horrendous. And there needs to be a real concerted effort to say this must stop. And with this figure, um, there are still some that are still under the rubble, I believe, right? Because they can't yeah, get to them. They're estimating some like two and a half thousand people under the rubble. It's impossible to know. I mean, one of our trustees, he lost his whole family in Gaza a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. And they haven't been able to get bodies out from under the rubble. The whole house was destroyed because families come together. 
at a time like that because they want to be together and you can't go out and obviously and also in Gaza it's so densely overpopulated that families live together on one floor above another hmm. and so for many many people there's no through that also their phone signals have been down and very intermittent phone signals and people can't contact people, so people don't know if people are alive or dead, so it's just mm. desperately confusing. Mm, definitely. So what, what can organisations such as the United Nations and uh, other organi- peace organisations alike, what can they um, do to, to, to further, basically, um, promote peace and uh, for, you know, to um, help guide the Israeli government um, on the right path, essentially? Well, I think there's two options. I think I think there's two real way forward. I think there's one thing which is about people, people like ourselves, and the other is about governments and the yeah. UN. Yeah. The UN have been very outspoken about the root causes of why this conflict is going on. Mm. They've also been very outspoken about talking about the suffering. Yeah. And they've been um, lambasted by the Israeli government, especially for that. Um, and mocked by some other people for doing that as being naive. Hmm. Uh, they play a vital role in calling for peace and calling for a just resolution, a long-term resolution. The problem is, I think there is vital trust in the international community generally, hmm. in governments, hmm. and their ability to leave a change, yeah. or desire to leave a change. Everybody knows there has to be a long-term solution. Otherwise, this sort of situation and the whole of the Middle East will be unstable for years and hmm. years to come. Um, but whether the international community is actually prepared to do that is a mm. different matter. Yeah, yeah. And uh, lastly, you know, just before we let you go, what message would you leave the general pu- public regarding the crisis or what they should be doing or what they can do to help as well? Um, I would say, and I think it's a threefold message. The first message is obviously please give. There are many different appeals, people raising money, which is vitally mm. needed. We have our Christmas, we have our emergency appeal for Gaza, yeah. which we're getting funds in. We're working with some amazing people on the ground. And each person we speak to is working with incredibly brave people on the ground who mm. are getting food to communities. Mm. So please, whichever charity it is, whichever organization, please support that. Yeah. The second thing is please carry on marching, carry on demonstrating, go to events today. Um, there's a load of different events today, tomorrow, to mark the International Day of Solidarity. Hmm. Those two messages, keep on calling on government, keep on going. Yeah. And the third message is within our own society to say what sort of society do we want to be? Hmm. And we want to be someone which is tolerant of people, which celebrates diversity, celebrates different views. Hmm. And the anger and frustration can mean we take it out on different communities, and that does not help. Definitely. We have to make people in the UK feel safe. And that means we must have no time for anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, or any of those other forms of racism. Yeah, yeah. And um, just well, just one more question, um, Chris. You yeah. know, regarding the protests you mentioned, yeah. um, as we saw that um, one of the largest protests in history, I believe, that yeah. have been taking place in London and across the globe. Um, but despite that, still the MPs voted uh, against yep. a ceasefire. Yep. So what would you advise those that are in power so they can listen to the voice of the people? Um, I, I think they have heard the voice of the people. I think there's no doubts about that at all. I think when you see the former Home Secretary's statements about it, Mm. Uh, she tried to make political capital out of it, and she basically lost her job because she did that. 
Um, I think when you look at the Labour Party, I think the Labour Party are acutely aware that their position has been untenable, um, mm. saying they won't support a ceasefire. You have people, their senior ministers, spent their whole life campaigning for, an ent- for nuclear disarmament who are committed to non-violence, being told they can't support a ceasefire. I mean, it's ludicrous. Mm. But equally, everybody knows the reason they're doing it is because they don't want to, the backlash from the previous, from what happened before. Um, but the government have to, the opposition and the government have to be a lot more bold. They can't use this as a political game where they sort of all take sides. Mm. People have got to come together and say the violence must end. Because mm. where does it end otherwise? When yeah. you look to the future, you say, what's going to happen in five, ten years' time mm. unless we intervene now and call for an immediate end to violence? Mm. And, and for all of us who protest, we carry on protesting. We carry on protesting. Governments do listen but they don't like to say that they do. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, if if a country is not upholding the international law, yep. what can be done to convince them? Because we can see... Yep. Um, basically, with Israel, ever since the formation of the UN and the formation of Israel in 1948, Israel realized the UN had no teeth because once the, um, the conflict started, which you mentioned in 1948, mm. and 750,000 Palestinians became refugees, yeah. um, the UN had said, and international law had made it clear, they had the right to return, and the partition plan should have been implemented. Exactly. Israel realized that the UN had no teeth at that stage, and actually the people who mattered were the global superpowers. Mm. Um, and so the tragedy at this time is unless the global superpowers decide to act, and they're a lot weaker than they ever were before, Mm. um, then actually there is no one to hold people to account. Mm. And Israel at the moment doesn't have people holding it to account. Mm. Um, And that's the reason why we just have to, it's about persevering, it's about standing in solidarity with Palestine and recognizing this is a long campaign, but we have right on our side. Mm. And you know, if this doesn't, um, UN does not uh, hold other countries accountable, our current head of the worldwide community has said that the United Nations, the UN, could collapse. Well, absolutely, and I think it's been. I mean, I think the. I think if say, let's Donald Trump gets back into power, mm. it's clear he has no time for the UN. Lots of different groups have very little time for the UN. Uh, they play a vital role. They were set up after the Second World War to f- fulfil a vital role. Mm. One of the tragedies has been they've never been able to fulfil that role. Mm. And when we look at Israel-Palestine, we want a just peace for Palestinians. We want a future for Israelis as well, which is peaceful and which they feel secure. Nothing which is happening at this moment in time is going to create that. And until there's real fresh investing in a process and a way forward, not some failed two-state solution, which actually on the ground is impossible, but a real meaningful engagement where the aspirations of both sets of people are realized, Mm. then there's no way forward. Now, I believe the UN can play an important role in levering that change. Mm. But it's also going to need many, many other international players to get involved. Yep. Um, dear Chris, thank you for your call today. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. It's been nice to speak to you joining this morning. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you very much. That was uh, Chris Rose and... Um mentioned a lot of beneficial points <coughs> for our listeners and yeah and the work that his organization mm. is doing you know especially the groundwork that he did mention and um that you know we should support every charity possible that yeah. uh, we possibly can that is also supporting to fund uh, and help um, aid 
Palestine as well. Yeah. So some it's some really good work, you know, that they they're do, doing as well currently. Yeah, and the way and the way he explained <coughs> that you know the destruction that has taken place yes. and the basic human rights and the human needs that mm. um are not available for the Palestinian people, it's just uh, horrific. Yeah. Because obviously Israel controls the water, the food that comes into Gaza and leaves Gaza as well. Mm. So anything that we can help um with yeah, supporting the charities so uh Nelson Mandela you know a lot of people might be aware of uh, who he was uh whose lived experience of apartheid led him to understand that it's always the oppressor not the oppressed who dictates the form of the struggle exactly the reason a Palestinian military resistance continues and will continue is because Israel and its US and European allies have closed down all legal political and diplomatic routes of the to the achievement of Palestinian statehood and sovereignty mm. and you know that's exactly what we're seeing uh, today what is being carried out and as you mentioned earlier about uh, in uh, you know 1948 the ethnic cleansing of uh, 750,000 Palestinians yeah from more than 500 towns villages and cities and um, the thing know, is it's been so yes. long now like since 1948 mm. the UN has said yeah. that they have the right to return to their homes as mm. chris mentioned also yes. but nothing has been done since that time mm. for them to return to their homes so the whole gaza is yeah. a refugee <coughs> camp and some may call it an open mm. air prison open air prison exactly yeah. exactly and uh, since uh, then in um you know the expulsion continued in 1956 as well mm-hmm. uh where you know dozens of more yeah. villages were destroyed and another 250,000 yeah. palestinians were expelled so you can imagine the yeah. chaos that mm. the people the, the innocent people that have suffered yeah during that time yeah definitely and you know the 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 mantra of the two state solution has been rendered meaningless mm. as israel you know they've never yeah. adhered to the terms of those rules accords the oslo accords that happened you know back yeah. in the day that you know there should be like a two state solution um but um but that that's the thing if exactly. they are not held accountable mm. Mm. and if un like chris mentioned has yeah. no teeth to actually implement mm. these laws mm. on these countries then what's the point as his holiness also um uh, mentioned that then the collapse of the un is mm. imminent definitely definitely and other ways are the solutions must be thought of mm. most definitely and uh, you know in terms of um, in regards to this uh <clears throat> the worldwide leader of the Muslim community is holiness hazrat mirza masrur ahmed may allah strengthen his hand has said even in a state of war islam does not permit the killing of women children el- elderly and innocent civilians mm. the holy prophet muhammad peace and blessings of allah be upon him gave strict instructions against doing so in in the recent escalation of war <clears throat> Hamas made the first move and attacked Israeli citizens leaving aside for a moment the fact that innocent people have been unjustly killed by the Israeli army Muslims should uh, ensure that they always adhere to the teachings of Islam and these teachings are mentioned exactly. in our holy book the holy Quran yeah. and the holy prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him said Allah has made you brethren one to another mm-hmm. so be not divided an arab has no preference over a non arab nor a non-arab over an arab 
nor is a white one to be preferred to a dark one, nor a dark one to a white one. Exactly. And, you know, these are the beautiful teachings of Islam that, you know, should be adhered to. Mm. We do have a very brief audio clip of His Holiness uh, in regards to this, so let's listen to that one. On top of that, Hazur also mentioned in sermon an important point, two very brief points, that one, the Muslim leaders should unite. There are 53, 54 Muslim countries, and there's that famous hadith of the Holy Prophet that the Muslim world is like a body, the Muslim ummah is like one body. Wherever you, someone is hurt, the rest of the body should feel the pain. So we all feel the pain, we are suffering, we, can't, we find it difficult to even see the images coming out of Gaza. Yet, the people who have power, we don't have any governance, but in that thing that to help the oppressor and the oppressed, the people who, amongst the Muslims and Arabs who have that authority should unite and try and do something to bring about that change. And finally, the world leaders, many of them are, are implementing double standards. They're saying on the one hand that what happened was wrong and they have the right to defend, yet they're dehumanizing an entire population. And some are even going to the extent and saying it's fine to deprive them of water, of aid, and it's justified under self-defense to mass punish a population. So we, as much as possible, as a spiritual, non-political community, without any governance or political power, advising people, trying to influence people, the onus is on them, the people in power, the people in authority, to bring about that change. His Holiness has um, further stated that for as long as world leaders do not courageously strive for a ceasefire, they are invariably responsible for taking the worlds toward dis destruction. And in, in, in chapter in chapter 51, uh, verse 20 of the Holy Quran states the hallmark of a true Muslim is that he should care for all of God's creation and should comfort and support those in need, whether they seek their help or not. Mm. Yeah, and you know, in the Holy Quran, it's also mentioned that if you um, kill, murder mm. one human... Yes. It's as if you have murdered killed the, the whole, of, the whole mankind. of mankind. Yeah, or if you save one life, mm. it's as if you have saved the yeah. whole of mankind. And you see the destruction that's mm. been taken place. I don't know, <laughs> the amount of yeah. killing that's mm. happened in the past month. Mm. I think not just one uh, mankind, but mm. multiple mankinds <laughs> multiple have been destroyed. Multiple mankinds yeah. have been, yes, according to that okay. indeed. Uh, and you know, uh, the actions taken by Hamas, as mentioned earlier, you know, mm. um, and the Israeli army are not permitted by Islam. Muslims, exactly. are, you know, Muslims have a responsibility mm. um, to hold uh, the international community accountable for their response to the denial of human rights of the Palestinian people. Yeah. So Muslims should be, you know, um, striving for this as well. Yeah, striving for justice. Exactly, most definitely. Yeah. So, dear listeners, we are coming to a close uh, for the 8 o'clock news and then you will be joining us after the 8 o'clock news to discuss this further. And, uh, you know, it is a live show. You can call in at any time at 0286 877 or tweet us at The Voice of Islam UK. Don't go anywhere and do join us after a very short news break and then we will be carrying this on, God willing. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Welcome back to The Breakfast Show, dear listener. So we were discussing uh, earlier and that today is the international uh, the uh, solidarity day with Palestine. Um, so we were discussing that earlier and um, you know his holiness the current uh, head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Caliph uh, the current head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community the current Caliph um, Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmed may Allah strengthen his hand has mentioned 
before that uh, the Secretary General of the UN has stated that the UN Secretary General also spoke in the same vein whereupon the Israeli government raised an uproar over this. The claimants of peace in the rest of the world who consider themselves to be those who establish peace and champions thereof did not utter a word in support of the Secretary General. Rather, they distanced themselves from it. And uh, that he, you know, he even the Secretary General mentioned that even war has rules and called for the protection of the civilians and humanitarian relief to Gaza. And he also highlighted some of the historical context to the conflict, saying Hamas's attack on October 7th did not happen in a vacuum. We do have on line with us our next guest of the morning. We do have on line with us um, Mr. Niels Sammons, uh, who is a senior campaigner on Palestine with uh, War on Want. He has been to Palestine many times, including Gaza, and lived for one year in Nablus in the occupied West Bank. Good morning, peace be upon you, and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Good morning, Islam alaikum. Thank you for having me on. Wa alaikum assalam. It's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, just to begin with, could you please tell us about your role at War on Want? Sure. So, uh, War on Want is a British charity which fights to promote human rights of people, particularly in the global south, and to um, try to reduce <clears throat> poverty. In particular, my role folk focusing on Palestine is to watch the human rights situation hmm. in occupied Palestinian territory and um, seek to find ways to raise awareness about that so as to improve the human rights, yeah. um, including by highlighting the often complicit role of the UK government parliamentarians and um, British-based companies in that. Hmm. So you've had first-hand experience, you know, being over there. So could you, like, describe to us? Uh, obviously, you know, we're seeing the images and the videos online, but could you let us know what is, like, truly happening, what being there, what it's like? Wow, it's uh, yeah, where to begin. So I lived there um, in the 1990s. Yeah. At that point in the West Bank, for example, there were 100,000 settlers. Hmm in the West Bank that's now gone up to 700,000 in 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 the West Bank it was just the, the daily life of life under occupation is appalling and mm. i was slightly saved from it as being british yeah. but essentially you see what is an apartheid system and that's not me and the just the progressive saying that that's mm. documented by human rights watch mm. by Amnesty international mm. by the UN special rapporteur michael link with the y and so on it's established so there would be, you know, I'm sorry to say it early in the morning, but, you know, I saw a child get shot in the head by Israeli soldiers at close range when he was proving no um, risk to mm. the soldiers or anyone else's lives, for example. There were mm. people who would send a funeral of someone who'd been shot. Yeah. Israelis who were then um, tear grenaded or, you know, and, and stuff. It was just a daily grind where people mm. were unable to go to their work, to their school, etc., because they have one road with lots of checkpoints on it and settlers mm. shooting at them. I got shot at by settlers while I was there. Mm. And um, and the Israelis, the Israeli Jews, who were able to shoot past in fast cars on Jewish-only roads, which is a, appalling discrimination against the indigenous population. Hmm. That's just the West Bank. The Gaza, Gaza, I've not been there during conflict times. Yeah. But for example, when I was with um, medical aid for Palestinians, hmm. who do incredible work supporting health services and promoting the right to, to health there. Hmm. Um, I know we would look at, for example, women with with cancer who needed to go to the 
hospitals in Jerusalem for their mm. treatment and care. But the Israeli regime imposes essentially the blockade around Gaza, even worse now, mm. which would stop people being able to get to their treatment. And mm. we would be recorded with um, partners in the World Health Organization, with Al-Mazan Center for Human Rights, the, the many deaths, deaths, yeah. of women with cancer who are unable to get to their treatment because Israeli block them. It's just a day in, day out grind and humiliation of the local people by people who are, I'm sorry to say, mm. you know, a colonizing population. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, this was uh, this was what you're describing was more than uh, you know thirty odd years ago. Uh, uh, so the situation right now, what we're seeing is you know a lot worse. So if you're if this was still happening, and it has been happening for a long time, you know the situation is really dire. And what you're describing is just is like the the lack of quality of life. It's 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 almost it's basically zero for the Palestinians over there. Yeah, I I you know I. Um in, in ways, I would salute the the struggle of the Palestinians, mm. who, despite decades of displacement, of exile, of um, oppression, you know, violations and oppression against yeah. them, still you know maintain their identity. They, mm. You know, they'll sing and they dance, and they'll, they'll know their neighbours and they support after that, support their large families and, and so on. They're very well informed. Mm. Um, but yes, it's it's the, the kind of hardship when I don't know you or me if you know a bus or a journey is delayed by fifteen minutes. Yeah. Kind of, you know we're swearing and throwing <laughs> our bodies out of the pram. Yeah. Um, it just does not contend with mm. what's going through there. And, you know, you look at. You realise these are first world problems, right? That we're going exactly. through. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and you know, as you say, like some of the images coming through, I was just looking at some from. But Salim, the extremely good Israeli human rights organization, hmm. showed drone footage of the Zahra area of um, of Gaza, which looks like it's just been, and I don't say this hmm. loosely, it looks like it's been carpet bombed. Definitely, yeah. yeah. It's, it's been decimated, like the whole place is just, uh, you know, it reminded me of the pictures that, you know, that of uh, of Iraq, basically, what it, it was like, the state. Yes, yeah. and, and, and recall, because some of the, you know, um, like military analysts have looked at what has been dropped on Gaza, mm, mm. a tiny sliver of land. I mean, yeah. remember Palestinians, even if they had all of the West Bank and Gaza, which they mm, don't have, mm. only 22% of the original land of, of Palestine yeah. and have been ghettoized, forced into small areas and so on. Mm. But what, what has been dropped on Gaza in a matter of weeks mm. exceeds what the US-led coalition had dropped on Islamic State. Yeah, in Iraq and Syria, much wider areas over many mm. years, and it was it was stated to be like uh, twice as much as the nuke drop, uh, dropped on Hiroshima, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and 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 if I may go look, uh, along with you, mm. that mentioning the nuclear bomb, I mean, be aware that what is happening in Gaza, it's intentional. It's an in, it's a deliberate infliction of pain and suffering on killing hmm. of civilians as yeah. well as fighters. Yeah. So you, you may have seen that the heritage minister, Eliyahu, called for nuclear bombs to be dropped. Hmm. Yes, yes. But Prime Minister Netanyahu invoked hmm. Amalek, that is, spare not the men, hmm. the women, hmm. the children, or the sucklings, yeah. when he called on his armed forces yeah. to go into there. Hmm. The Minister of Defence, Gallant, hmm. said we're fighting human animals and we behave accordingly. Yeah. Definitely. And there's many more statements like this, and mm. they've not been called out mm. by our government and by our mainstream media. I've not seen a single prominent politician mm. raise any of those issues, yeah. and I've not seen any mainstream media 
hold any Israeli interviewer or anyone speaking on behalf of the Israeli forces here hmm. about those issues. Hmm. Would you would you declare this as a deliberate ethnic cleansing? Yes, um, and it doesn't need me to say that the that UK group of special rapporteurs have said that they you know there's a genocide in the making. Yeah. Um, the intent is clear. Yeah. Uh, many statements by military and political leaders have said that, and the the government, the Likud party, is open in saying it will never accept Netanyahu. You said this again yesterday. Yeah. I think they would never accept a Palestinian state anywhere in what they see as you know the full land of Israel, mm. and they want the inverted commas, difficult population of Gaza mm. to move into Egypt or elsewhere. Mm. There have been no statements by Israel or its supporters in the US or the UK saying mm. that the 1.7 million people who've been displaced will have the right to return to their homes and the homes will be built and mm. they will be given dignity. It's a, it's a part of a plan to, to force yeah. them even further from their, from their homes. And I believe uh, um, Ben Gavir, if I'm not wrong, did mention that who's a senior member in the government, that mm-hmm. if the war doesn't continue after this ceasefire, um, after this pause, he will leave, he will resign. Right, yeah, um, and Ben, ben Gavir and Smotrich are probably the, the worst, yeah. the most extreme right, racist supremacists. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really are. And, um, yeah, people need to be aware of that. These are the people who we are. Glad. I mean, we are giving these people bombs. The UK is continuing to transfer <laughs> weaponry to yeah. Israel and it's done this over many years yeah. we, we sell many parts of the F-35 the F-15 uh, aircraft bombers who cause such devastation around 15% of a F-35 is produced mm. in the UK mm. we've got the technology which goes into the drones which carry out assassinations and bombings um, small arms and so on and this mm. is allowed to go on without being properly questioned by anyone in Westminster um, and that's why it really needs, I think, you know, people like you and me and your impassioned, informed listeners to be taking choices to call upon our MPs. Yeah, call uh, for justice. To call for justice and, and to take active steps. So, yep. I mean, today, for example, we have a one-on-one. We will have an email going out and it will be on our website too, where we, we're providing further information about the weapon provided by the UK into Israel and what is used Mm. in the repression of Palestinians. Use this as a source, change it how you like, but you know, write to your MP to ask them to take it up to the minister to call upon Britain not to violate our own obligations in domestic law and international law to be sustaining war crimes mm. against uh, Palestinians. Yeah. We also need to be um, taking steps in our daily life to be not um, promoting or giving greater profits to companies who are exploiting the Palestinians and making money out of war and oppression. Yeah. So I don't know if in, in your studio or your family or people listening have like Hewlett-Packard mm. materials, computers, etc. Do not buy them. Ask whoever's in charge not to use them. These are <laughs> investing mm. in Israeli intelligence services and in the um, weaponry of control mm. in apartheid Israel. And would, you, would, you, would you say boycotting has an effect? Yes. Yeah, um, 
So, um, sorry to just cut in uh, over here. I just want to mention that, you know, if we do boycott places like this or like Starbucks or McDonald's, you're essentially affecting the workers that are working there, not the CEOs or owners. Their business isn't going to be affected as highly as the people that they'll just put them out of jobs, right? So you can argue it, in, in that way as well. It, it is an argument, and I, I think we, we don't take it lightly. Yeah. But we, we need to listen to what the people under oppression are mm. saying. And similarly, similar, to an extent, as you said, these are like first world problems. So yeah. for a smaller percentage of people don't buy the Starbucks coffee, yeah. it's not really going to affect too many people's mm. employment mm. status. But when it comes along with a message that we're not doing this because yeah. the company is doing such and such mm. against Palestinians, then mm. it does mean something. And the, the, you know, we learn from, if you remember the ANC, the African National Con- Congress, yeah. who in South Africa themselves said, we will fall down mm. by you... But we, we are asking you not to invest in our companies, not to invest in the work which we do in South Africa. Hmm. Because of apartheid on South Africa, yes. the, the world stood together. After a lot of... We had difficulties with our Prime Minister, then Margaret Thatcher, and others hmm. Hmm. to make it all happen. But ultimately, it was the sanctions campaign of the world in the, it going along with the South African people under apartheid and oppression, hmm. other oppression, which brought peace and justice to South Africa. Mm, yeah. So that's exactly what we're, we're needing to do here. Mm. And of course, as I'm sure you're aware, we're not doing that and we're not asking other people to do this because it's Israel because it's Jewish. It's doing it because it's Israel which is perpetrating a wide such a wide number of course of, of, of war course. crimes and serious violations of course. you know there's many many jews that are standing up in support of uh, palestine as well and they came to the marches and you know they're saying that against what's the happening, yeah, regime. what's happening over there is completely wrong yeah absolutely there's some there's some fantastic yeah jewish people in the, in the uk and internationally i, I, I mentioned hmm. but then there's an amrod they you know the black jewish congress and so hmm. on yeah. Uh, yeah we've worked with many israeli organizations hmm. And you know you um, lived in uh, Nablus um, for one year and you've had first-hand experience and you also mentioned that um, how um, kids were brutally shot in the head and it was like a day-to-day um, ongoing um, thing over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that uh, you know the hostages that have been released are children and women. Um, what justifies them um, taking these children and making these children suffer in this way? Because you've been there, maybe you, you've had an experience where you can share your thoughts on this? I, I can try. I mean, and yes, to, to underline the, the, the targeting of civilians and the taking of hostages, yeah. particularly civilian hostages, it's, that's, you know, it's a war crime. It's completely outlawed. Um, but, but do think that the people who are doing this, who are carrying out you know, a form of violence against civilians, don't do it in, you know, they're, they're not doing it in a vacuum. They're doing this with, with rage and with many years of dispossession. I'm not seeking to justify it, but help explain mm. it. So if, you know, as I mentioned, if your mum had died, say, because she'd been unable to get the cancer treatment, which she was due and could have got, if you've seen your best friend get shot, go to prison for many years, unfairly tried, as, as is the case for most people who come before Israeli courts, you know, 99.9% um, conviction rate against Palestinian children, for example. If you know that, like, say, in Gaza, 77% of the population, they're refugees. Mm. They know that on the other side of the perimeter around Gaza, people are living who didn't live there mm. you know, many, many years ago. That was their lands. That was the Palestinian refugee lands. Yep. Um, and the, 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 the lack of due process 
by which so many Palestinians are held or detained mm. in Israel do not follow legal norms. So that they do, in a way, amount to being hostages themselves. And they have such few bargaining tactics. The interna international law has largely let them down. The, international, the UN system, while there are some excellent bodies within it and many excellent reports and stuff, they, it has been large, made spineless through the strong support of the US and the UK who shield Israel and its violations day in, day out over many, many years. Mm. So they're left with very little choice. And the, the so-called peace process mm. was, um, you know, was derailed. Um, nothing's happening there. And Netanyahu and other Israeli leaders are explicit in, their, in not wanting a peace process. It's just that's kind of a false narrative. Um, and we're blaming Palestinians as colonial powers have throughout history for being unable or unworthy to be able to have freedom and autonomy themselves. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> yes, um, Neil Summers, thank you very much for your call today. Um, really enjoyed your information and your first-hand experience um, of being there in Palestine. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me on. Take care, everyone. Ma'asalama. Wa'alaikum so that was really interesting because, you know, it's the first time I'm speaking, uh, myself personally, I'm speaking to someone with, who's had first-hand experience. And yeah, he, he was yeah. talking, this was this happened more than, you know, three decades yeah. ago, right? Um, and so, as you and, mentioned and, that, yeah. it's gone worse It's, it's, it's much worse right now. Uh, we do have one last interview with one of our guests that we, you know, we recorded earlier with Professor John Quigley. We'll be listening to that one now. So we have online with us Professor John Quigley, who is a scholar in public international law and is a professor at the Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio, USA. Good morning, peace be upon you, and welcome to The Breakfast Show, Professor. Good morning, Professor. How are you doing this morning? I'm, I'm well, thank you. Thank you for joining us once again on The Voice of Islam. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, just to begin with, just to get into things, uh, how are human rights at risk in the current Israel-Palestine crisis? Well, I mean, human rights are involved in a, a number of ways. Um, I mean, one, of course, is that the bulk of the population of Gaza uh, consists of persons who are in families that were displaced in 1948 from their home areas in Palestine, and they have a right to return to those home areas. Um, so their human rights are being violated by the prohibition that Israel has against their return to their home areas. Um, so that's one violation of human rights. Um, yeah. uh, I mean, Professor, what are your, what are your thoughts uh, on, um, on the pause that's going on right now and, and, and the exchange of hostages? What are your thoughts on that? Well, anything that stops the bombardment is, is uh, to the good, obviously. Um, of course. Uh, it it should continue, uh, uh, hopefully, and the uh, the destruction uh, could stop. I mean, there's there's no way <clears throat> to compensate for what has already been done. It's already been quite horrific, um, but at least that there there shouldn't be more people killed. Yeah, and hopefully this pause can turn into a ceasefire. Yes, I think that's being promoted now by many sources, even by the United States, uh, mm. although it, it won't say that it, it's promoting a ceasefire, of, but um, 
I think it is encouraging uh, uh, Israel to to stop the bombing. Mm. So how how would you say that international bodies such as the UN, how do they strive to protect human rights? Because you know they did uh, you know they did spoke, speak up against what Israel is doing, but Israel did not heed their warnings or listen to them. Well, yes, Israel has uh, I think often tried to show its superiority to the United Nations. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, it indicated uh, several weeks ago that it would not issue visas uh, to mm. anyone from the, the United Nations, um, yeah. which is quite a remarkable position for any UN member state uh, to take. It's quite incompatible with continuing to be a member of the United Nations. Mm. So what, what further steps can org- these organizations such as the United Nations to protect you know, not just the people of Palestine, but other people who are suffering around the world as well? Well, I mean, the, the way they work is through pressure. I mean, mm. there, there's no real um, uh, forcible measure that is being taken anywhere in the world to protect uh, human rights. Um, it, it's a matter of... Uh, of putting pressure on governments uh, such that they will stop. Now, that pressure can be quite significant if, if you get other states to stop dealing with them, to stop having diplomatic relations with them, to stop trading with them. But typically, it doesn't get to that level of pressure. Yeah. Professor, you've penned, you know, you've penned many books in regards to the, uh, you know, the Israel and Palestine uh, conflict. Um, what are your views in regards to the legality of the Jewish state? And you know, it's it's, it's a century-long debate, as you know, you've written as well over the rights of Palestine and you know the British mandate over Palestine. Could you speak a little bit about that, please? Yes, the um, legitimacy of Israel is generally premised on what was done by the League of Nations. That is, it is said that the League of Nations. Uh, advocated the concept of a Jewish state uh, on the grounds that such a state was was appropriate and was uh, 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 was necessary in order to protect the Jews of the world. Um, mm. uh, in, in fact, the League of Nations really never did anything of that sort. Um, if one looks at the actual documentation from that. Yeah time period in the League of Nations, there was no discussion about a Jewish state. Um, mm. the, 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 the matter never came before the council. The council was the, the primary body within the League of Nations uh, that, that uh, you know, dealt with anything. Um, mm. uh, and uh, it was never asked uh, to consider whether the, the notion of the Balfour Declaration or, or Jewish immigration or, or any of that uh, was appropriate. The British government put those things into the document that the British government composed uh, called the British Mandate for Palestine and then asked the, uh, the Council of the League of Nations to approve the document. Um, yeah. uh, and the council's position was actually that Britain could have no role in Palestine until mm. it gained sovereignty 
from Turkey. And Britain yeah. was never able to gain from Turkey. So, so the league never uh, uh, got into the, the question of, of saying that what Britain is doing is appropriate. Um, it did provisionally give approval to the document, the British Mandate for Palestine, which called for implementation of the Balfour Declaration. Um, but it, it did so under circumstances where it really didn't have much of a choice unless it wanted to uh, eliminate the entire institution of the mandates because it was Britain that was asking for that approval and Britain was the, was the main force uh, within the league uh, uh, on the mandates, not only for Palestine, uh, but, but on other territories as well. So, Professor, of course, you know, um, everyone in the world, I'm sure, that what they want right now is peace. For the fighting to stop, for the innocent civilians to stop dying, and for, you know, the people of Palestine to... Uh, I wouldn't say everyone wishes for this, but, you know, a lot of Muslims around the world, you know, they wish for the people of Palestine to be free, as well as other people from other faiths and other, other nations. If you could deliver one message to the governments of Israel and Palestine um, in the hopes of achieving peace, what would you what would you say, Professor? Well, I, I think they both need to work for peace, and and unfortunately, the onus is mainly on the Israeli side. I mean, the Israeli mm. government needs to get itself out of the West Bank. It needs yeah. to get get out of Gaza. Uh, uh, there can't be a viable Palestinian entity of any kind uh, mm. un until that happens. Yes, that was uh, Professor John Quigley, who is a scholar in public international law. And he, John Quigley is also a professor at uh, Mortis College of Law. He mentioned really valuable facts. And he did mention that <laughs> option. Uh, should be the only option should be that the government mm. of Israel should leave yeah. West Bank mm. and Gaza, mm. which is a point that everyone needs to take. So we do have uh, one last uh, audio clip in regards to this, uh, and we will be listening to that one now. This was prophesied in the Holy Quran that twice will the Israelites be turned out of Palestine and twice they will recapture it and twice will they be tried if they conducted themselves well in the sight of Allah then he will, they will not be punished but if they reverted to the old follies then they will be punished and turned out of Palestine and Palestine would be inherited by godly people, by the righteous people. So, unless this prophecy is fulfilled in both, uh, uh, in both manners, you know, there are two things mentioned in this prophecy. Number one, the Jews will recapture one day, in the latter days, the word latter days is Wadul uh, Akhara, is the word used, is the expression used in the Holy Quran. In that promise of the latter days, Jews will be made to return to Palestine. This is a prophecy of the Holy Quran, nobody could alter it. After them, 
the land will be inherited by pious people. So if the Muslims of the time were already pious, why should they have come to Palestine at all? That means to say that at the time when, Mus when uh, the Jews would recapture or re-enter Palestine, generally speaking, the Muslims would have been rejected by Allah as not pious. In the meantime, a pious community would be created from among them and Jews will ultimately be made to leave Palestine in shame and in defeat and that land would be inherited Allah by the God-fearing people of Allah Ibadus Salihun that is those who do good, do good deeds and who are pious, virtuous people so Ahmadiyyat came to prepare that group which would ultimately inherit that land and this phenomena went parallel side by side for a while at one on the one side we observe the fulfillment of the Holy Quran in the way of Jews recapturing Palestine on the other side we see that community being prepared and being educated which would ultimately inshallah enter Baitul Muqaddas and uh, inherit it from Allah so I don't see any contradiction in those, these two things if you see any contradiction after my explanation please um, clarify your question further That I have already explained. The fact is that according to the Holy Quran as well as according to the traditions of the Holy Prophet of Islam, a most unfortunate time was to come to Muslims when they were no longer to be Muslims in reality in the sense that as a whole they would be pious, God-loving, God-fearing people. They would stick to the word and spirit of the Holy Quran. If that prophecy is to be fulfilled, and we know it not only is it to be fulfilled, it has been fulfilled, then such people have no longer a right to whatever they were given by Allah by way of favor. And the Holy Quran makes a very a, a fundamental declaration in this regard. It says, Inna Allaha la yugayyiru ma biqawmin hatta yugayyiru ma bianfusim. Whatever Allah has given to, to some people, He does not alter that state of favors until first people themselves change themselves and no longer deserve their, those favors. Then Allah takes away those favors. Sometimes a people are punished at the hands of worse people. And that is a phenomenon of punishment. That doesn't mean that Jews are dearer to Allah. It only means that the Muslims of this time are to be demonstrated by Allah that they are no longer on the right path. They are no longer God-fearing and righteous. So Allah's wrath is showing to them 
and in, in a manner that which is, which is also so insulting. To be punished by a person lower than you is a very great insult. It adds insult to injury. So to punish, to be punished in itself is bad, but to be punished at the hands of somebody who stands lower in status and degree is the worst punishment. Like that happened in the time of Tsar. You know when the Tsar refused, now told his, one of his guards not to let anybody enter his palace because he was busy in very, some very important work, Tsar's son appeared and he tried to force his way to the, to the palace. The guard stopped him and said, no, it is the order of my master, I am not going to permit you to enter. He started beating him. And after that, when he got tired, he thought now he would have changed his mind. He tried again to enter the palace and he said, no, the orders still remain. I am not going to permit you. Because he was a very strong, burly man, so this prince uh, could not enter by force. But he kept on beating him until Tsar heard this noise. And uh, when he came out, he knew what was happening, in fact. But he asked innocently, what was the matter? Why is he beating you? He said, look, it was... Uh, um, he asked his son, why are you beating? He said, he did not permit me to enter the palace. He says, oh, that is his crime, that is his audacity. All right, but what did he say? He said, he, he, I am not permitted by my master, the king. He said, you heard this and yet you insisted? So he told the, the, the guard to take up the wick in his own hands and start beating this prince, this, the very son of the king. He took very strong exception to this, not to the punishment, but to the punishment at the, to the, punishment at the hand of a lowly placed person. The whole incident revolves this issue, this debate. He says he is lower than I am and uh, he can't beat me, he has no right to beat me. So the king went on raising his status until he was raised to the status of a prince and then he said beat him now. So in the worldly affairs we see the punishment is made more ignoble and more torturous when you are punished at the hands of a lowly person as compared to you. So sometimes this is how Allah's wrath comes, his displeasure appears. That people who are not closer to Allah than you are, are appointed to punish you for your running away from Allah and discarding his message. It has happened many a time in the history of Muslims, it's no wonder. At the time when Baghdad was being attacked by the herds, by the hordes, Khawanin hordes from um, Mongolia, the caliph of the time sent messengers to a very holy person who was living a retired life and it was said that his prayers are accepted by Allah. So he sent, beseeched him and beseeched him to pray for to Allah that Allah may um, avert this calamity which was reaching Baghdad very rapidly. So the entire night he kept on praying. 
as he had told the king, the messenger of the king, to come in the morning to receive the answer, when he appeared in the morning, you know what his answer was? He said, all night I have been pray pray praying to Allah to avert this calamity and to stop this horde of non-believers. And the entire night I have been given this revelation repeatedly. Ayyuhal kuffar, uqtulul fujjar. Ayyuhal kuffar, uqtulul fujjar. O non-believers, murder or kill the believers who are not righteous. Fujjar are those who believe in God or in His Messenger but whose deeds are ugly and bad and corrupt. So this was the revelation made to him throughout in, the, in answer to his prayer. He said, from this I understand that they are coming by way of Allah's decree and punishment. And now you have earned Allah's player, this player, nobody can avoid this calamity. This is going to befall you. So it has happened there too. So why can't it be repeated? And if the Muslims take the lesson, if they begin to see the message, then the things will, inshallah, be totally transformed in their favor and against the Jews. If they become Ibadi Salihun, as is said in the Holy Quran, Allah would see to it that they inherit the land again and uh, the Jews are turned out of that land. Yes, so Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Uh, welcome back to the breakfast show. So that was, uh, you know, the fourth caliph of the MD Muslim community, Hazrat Mizat Ahmed. May Allah have mercy on him. Uh, he was speaking in regards to, you know, who, um, who are the, what, what is the role uh, of the Palestine in, um, in the conflict between the Muslim and the Jews, and why are the Muslims suffering at the hands of the Jews, and if the Muslims are supposed to be the righteous people, yeah. you know, that was essentially what. Uh, um, his Holiness was speaking about. Yes. So we have uh, we come to a conclusion of uh, this segment. We will now be swiftly moving on to our next segment of the morning, which is uh, titled Early MRNA Research That Led to COVID-19 Vaccines Wins 2023 Medicine Nobel Peace Prize. Not yeah. Peace Prize, uh, Nobel Prize. Yeah. So the Nobel Prize in... Uh, it's essentially the a physiology of medicine well. for 2023 was awarded uh, to science researchers Caitlin Carico and Drew Weissman, who who developed the mRNA vaccine for COVID-19. The vaccine uh, uses a small piece of genetic uh, material called uh, messenger RNA, <laughs> mRNA, to instruct ourselves to produce a harmless part of the virus. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this triggers our immune response. So holding our bodies, uh, helping our bodies recognize and fight the actual virus if we encounter it. Uh, the development of this vaccine has been a major breakthrough in the field of medicine mm. and has played cr a crucial role in combating <coughs> the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. The, and the vaccines have basically estimated to have prevented 1.1 million 
additional deaths. Hmm. So that's the reason why they no. have actually received a Nobel In th- medical prize. There's a lot of uh, controversy around the vaccine as well. You know, there's a lot of uh, anti-vax people, yes. uh, a lot of unvaxed people. And they say, uh, they're coming forward now as well, saying that, you know, they didn't catch COVID once. Hmm. Whereas I myself have had uh, the two first vaccines and the booster, and I've had COVID like four times. Exactly. So if you've had a vaccine, you've still caught you COVID. still had COVID, like, yeah, exactly. So what was... And, you know, even during the pandemic, there were a lot of, like, nurses, doctors coming forward, you know, saying, you know, they're not going to get, like, the vaccination. Yeah, that's true. Um, and actually, because yeah. at the end of the day, it's a it's a trial and error. It's the, it's the first form of the drug. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the vaccine did get better progressively. Mm-hmm. Like, the boosters now, you know, they're supposedly, yeah, you know, yeah. they help a lot more. But... Um, but I think a lot majority of the population mm-hmm. are now... A, kind of against it so yeah. they, they won't be it was an experimental drug yeah they, yeah true yeah they won't be opting for another mm. booster mm. anytime soon mm. majority of us yes most definitely yeah, because so. when i did get it <coughs> the old almost uh, out of the three times twice i got really ill yeah exactly and, and my arm felt like you know it was just dead weight <laughs> <laughs> yeah no no i remember yeah even me i got the vaccines i got all the doses that yeah. were required yeah and i still became mm. very ill I, and I, I was thinking COVID to myself, four times. Yeah. Oh, you got it four times. Four times after getting the vaccine. Uh, you must have attracted it a lot. Yeah, man. I don't know. It's it's really weird. Yeah, no. As in, I think all of our family members, even though they got vaccines, and you know, it was confirmed as well that a lot of the deaths were, um, you know, someone would like, for example, have like cancer or mm. you would already be ill, and then it'll be registered. Yeah, as, it'll be registered as a COVID death. Yeah. So even initially, it yeah, initially it could, wouldn't have been the cause, but because it was registered as a COVID death or they had in the last part of their life, they had COVID, it was registered as yeah. a COVID death. But uh, yeah, as they've said that this prevented 1.1 mm. million additional deaths, which is a big achievement. Yeah. But, you know, um, I, uh, you know, encourage the listeners to not just... Um, not just uh, you know uh, believe what they are told, you know as the, you know there is a, a staying of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him that uh, uh, hearsay is not like seeing, mm. right? So do your own research, mm. do come to your own conclusions, and uh, you know then you will hopefully find the right path and see see what uh, what is truly happening. Yeah, um, and um, you know His Holiness uh, Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmed mm. of the worldwide community. Um, has stated that in many verses of the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty has mentioned the creation of the heavens and the earth, and He has instructed us to reflect hmm. upon the true purpose of our creation. As you, as you also mentioned, you know, that we should do our own research yeah. and reflect. Yeah. Here yeah. also, the His Holiness has mentioned hmm. that God Himself has instructed hmm. for us to reflect upon hmm. the teachings yeah. that He has sent down, and also upon. Hmm. Uh, other matters hmm. surrounding us, but clearly, you know, the, as we can see, the vaccine did 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 work as as of September twenty twenty three. Hmm. More than thirteen point five billion COVID nineteen yeah. vaccine doses have been administered, hmm. right? And uh, as we can see from previous uh, pandemics, the Spanish flu, yeah. or you know, uh, the um, mad cow uh, disease. The what was that uh, one we had recent a few years swine ago? Swine flu, swine flu, yeah. right? Uh, stuff. Like oh, that. I actually um. Um, uh, Ebola, Ebola, also you know, right. Those uh, the vaccines, mm. you know, clearly they they do work. And regarding the swine flu, there was mm. one um, incident mm. in the UK. Yeah, our, on Sky News, it was mentioned that one incident of swine flu recently. Yeah, recently, right. Yeah. Place. Mm. 
of so, like an of like a new version. Yeah, new variant. New variant. So, so hopefully we are all safe from that. Otherwise, inshallah, God willing. Um, so in a, in a in a meeting with students from West Canada on 29th October, His Holiness stated, "Whatever the government is doing, it is for our betterment." And we should acknowledge it by getting vaccines. Yeah. My advice is that they should get vaccinated. As far as masks are concerned, they should wear masks and they should cover their mouth and nose. Hmm. Now, you know, loyalty to yeah. a nation is mm. part of our faith, isn't of course, it? Of course. So we do um, consider the government mm. to be looking after us in a proper manner. Definitely. And Definitely. being true to their uh, promises and... Um, helping us in every step So that's mm. why loyalty to a nation Is part of our faith Definitely um, for, so, for, Furthermore uh, There is uh, one brief audio clip Of His Holiness uh, In regards to this So let's listen to that one So this is why For the sake of others We should Get uh, ourselves vaccinated With this COVID vaccine And as far as my knowledge is concerned I discussed it with so many scientists and doctors and most of them are of the view, although there are some of them who are against it and they say there's nothing beneficial in having vaccine, but most of them, they say and they they prove it that it is, the results are quite promising. We cannot say that uh, 100% of the people will be cured and will be saved from the disease. No, but quite a good percentage of them uh, has better results, even if they had this disease. Yeah, so that was His Holiness again, uh, again, you know, uh, confirming that, you know, he's he's also spoken to many scientists and doctors and specialists in regards to this and that we should be taking mm. the vaccine because it is from the government mm. and, uh, you know, the government uh, should be doing what it's best for its people. Yeah. And, and you know, I think it's important yeah. to remember that you, we can create the vaccines, we can come mm. up with these medicines, mm. but at the end of the day, it's all down to the grace of God that these vaccines or these medicines of actually course. work. So God is the one that actually initially starts the process of mm. healing in our mm. body. Mm. So, of course, we should strive towards um, making these medicines, making mm. these vaccines, but initially keep praying that these vaccines do affect us and God actually affects, um, makes our body heal according to the uh, efforts that us humans mm. have made. What it is it. that, you know, it was uh, mentioned, uh, it has been mentioned earlier as well that you know when um, for example if a plane if you're in a plane the plane's going down it's about to crash yeah. many people will turn to God exactly at that right? time at that time and they will pray even if they are atheists or mm. Mm. Uh, who, whatever religion mm. or if they don't belong to a religion whatever their be- beliefs might be yeah and in, in a state of shock in, in, the first the, thing that comes out of their mouth is Oh, oh my God! Oh my God! Exactly, right? exactly. So it's naturally yeah. embedded it, it's, in us. It's ingrained in us, yeah. you know, to believe that there is a higher power exactly. who can perform a miracle, miracle or save us. Yeah, when all hope is lost, yes. that's the one being exactly. that we look to, right? Hmm. So that's important so to keep, have in mind. Definitely, and uh, the thing is, the more we progress, the further we go along in time, people are straying away from from religion, hmm. from faith, from the right path. That's and uh, they're uh, that's know, a sad reality. That's a sad reality, and they're claiming that science has answered to all things, yeah. Yeah. where in fact it doesn't. And a lot of 
majority of it are theories which are disproven and that is what science exactly. is the- theories which get disproven over time yeah. and then they become you know fact as, as they seek more yeah. knowledge yeah and then they become but, fact yeah, exactly. but they, even that can be disproven over time yeah it does um because it's always constantly mm. developing mm. cuz knowledge is not limited exactly but uh, unfortunately the sad reality you know as you mentioned is that people are straying further away from god but mm. in in these times of need mm. uh people always turn back to god mm. and you know th- this is basically you can argue that this is from god to bring the person back to its creator exactly exactly so some of the problems that we face mm. in this life yeah. are sometimes put on us mm. from god so yeah. that we can recognize exactly and we could come and these, back these that's are, a, that's the mercy of god exactly and these are the you know the tests that we speak about like people ask why does god test us yeah exactly because at the end of the day the purpose we as muslims we believe the purpose is to serve allah the almighty yeah. as right? in holy quran clearly but, mentions but allah the almighty being the most gracious ever merciful he has gr- given us free will mm. so he has he he's laid out these uh, uh, rules, rules and regulations for us but he also allows us whether we wish to or we want to follow them or mm. not mm. that's up to us he hasn't bound us he hasn't yes. forced us exactly that, that's, that's even why the mercy of you know a lot of people argue that uh, why uh, does allah the almighty allow these people who are not even godly mm. to gain this fame and wealth Mm. but they don't realize that you know that is a test for them as well exactly. in this in this world yeah so that is a test for you exactly. and them yeah but in the hereafter only allah the almighty knows what is best for you and what you will receive mm-hmm. the rewards that you will receive in the hereafter yeah so because everyone is having the test of their mm. own of course a, a really rich person mm. that could be a test for them like as you exactly. mentioned exactly. a poor person that's a test for them exactly. but god has said that you will be tested mm. There's no way or there's no one in this mm. world right yeah. now as it doesn't matter how rich they are mm. that they're not going through mm. some kind of suffering some kind of pain some kind of test. So it's not a matter of why and are you know, we people say tested. money doesn't buy you happiness but you know for some people it doesn't but for some people it may solve a lot of problems yeah. in their life. Yeah. So a, a test could be that a person has a lot of money mm. but that money is mm. causing him to stray away from God. Of course, of course. And that's that, a test. But that, that is that is a reality yeah. of things. So the Holy Prophet uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him is said to have enjoined his followers to seek knowledge even if they have to travel to China you know we were as we yeah. were saying that knowledge is not it's not limited yeah. it's unlimited exactly uh the more you gain the more you realize the more you don't know yeah and that is as, the case as we, as yes. we mentioned before yeah um the holy quran uh, urges all believers to think observe reflect and to exercise their rational faculties mm-hmm. then there is the knowledge man can acquire through learning and experience using his intellect and reason, uh, reason given to him by allah the almighty yeah so dear listener we hope you've been, you've enjoyed today's show so far it is a live interactive show if you do have any questions any feedback you can call us in at 0286877878 there are various other programs run on the voice of islam such as the drive time show or the weekend world do tune in to those shows as well i would just like to thank uh, our guests for tuning in and giving us uh, their expertise and the producer munib mirza the training producer uh, maria sheikh and the researchers hanan ashraf zainab khan sara choudhry noura osa uh, mensa and kashfa ahmed and our technical de- uh, department brother um, asad and of course 
My fellow presenter, Abdul Halim, it's been a pleasure as always to present here on The Voice of Islam. For now, take care, have a good morning and peace be upon you.